0: How's your summer going? Are you on a road trip? Are you recovering from a big party in the sun? Or are you just taking a quiet walk? Whatever the case is, you are listening to a special summer series of the TDA podcast. Now, the whole idea here is that every day we're gonna throw back to a different episode from last year, and we've sat down and chosen some of the most listened to stories of 2022. But we've also thrown in some of the stories that may have gotten left behind in the news cycle, and we think they warrant a bit of an update. In March, I had the opportunity to speak to someone really quite special. Her name is Manal al-Sharif. She's one of the women's rights activists who helped to start the Right to Drive campaign in 2011. She saw the injustice of women not being able to drive in Saudi Arabia and got behind the wheel in protest. That is incredibly brave. When thousands of other women joined her, a movement was born. And today, women can drive in Saudi Arabia. Manal, I'd love to start right at the very beginning of your story. What was it about driving in Saudi Arabia that uh, made you so compelled to use that as your pillar for changing Saudi Arabian society? Wow,
1: that's a big question. It was a personal necessity, which is so funny. It wasn't that big issue. I needed to drive my car as a a divorced mother of... uh, one boy that I couldn't take him to his hospital or school and I needed constant need of a driver and living in the States I got my driver's license so I knew how to drive and I had a car that I couldn't drive so it's pure necessity a personal necessity and by the way I hate driving (laughs) I never liked driving I was scared when I was driving the first time but I think what happened is when I posted the video of me driving when I knew there is no law in Saudi Arabia that prevent us. And we were just, the Arab Spring was huge. So we found, oh my God, we can use social media to make this issue heard. And I wanted other women to join me and drive their cars if they have driver's license. So I posted a video of me driving on YouTube. I had no clue it would be number one trending video in all of Saudi Arabia that day. And I had no clue I would be sent to jail for that video and for driving while female. And I think that what made media how big of an issue because of the reaction of the government and the society. It's the most public display of empowerment for women is to have to just sit behind the driving wheel in a car. That's something you didn't see in public inside Arabia. Women are supposed to be invisible. And so driving was really for us the key for change, the whole society inside Arabia. And you can see that today.
0: And how quickly was it until you had support from other Saudi women?
1: Instantly. That's the funny thing. When we posted the event on Facebook, we had 120,000 people joining that event in a week. It was just unheard of. And then when we moved to Twitter, I remember the first night on Twitter, we got 10,000 followers on Twitter. It was huge. And everyone was talking about it until I was sent to jail. In one way, it helped us when I was sent to jail, because it even gave it international publicity. I'm pretty sure even in Australia, you heard about the woman who was sent to jail for driving. So that was actually the push that gave the. because Saudi Arabia, they are a very conservative country, change happens slowly. They don't want anyone to shake, you know, their grounds. And the Arab Spring was happening, all eyes were on us. So it was really the right moment to attract all that international media attention and support. So a lot of women in the country supported the movement and a lot of women outside the country. And I think it made it a made big difference that we received international support from women around the world.
0: And so we're now over 10 years past that moment. What is the situation with driving for women in Saudi Arabia today?
1: I published my book, Dating to Drive, in June 2017, three months later the royal decree comes and announce lifting the ban. I didn't say women were allowed to drive, I'd say women won the right to drive because we had to fight for that. The situation was in, I was happy, but at the same time, all the women, and I mean every single woman who was part of the Women to Drive movement, was targeted, was either imprisoned or prevented from leaving the country. Her family was targeted too. So it was very conflicting emotions. Like in one hand, we see these beautiful reforms when it comes to women empowerment in my country and equality. And in the second hand, women who fought badly and still fighting for that, been targeted. So it came hand in hand and it's conflicting emotions. I'm very happy to see my country women and men celebrating a lot of progress when it comes to women's rights. And women's rights really contribute to the whole society, they had to pass the first anti-harassment law in Saudi Arabia before women are out in the street. That's a law that we fought decades for, that women wanna feel safe in the street and men who harass them, they get no punishment. So for us, that was like, it was like more of a domino effect. Women can now get jobs, can drive herself, they're talking more about going to school, actually, to get your driver's license. So men and women have to go to school. Saudi Arabia had the most dangerous roads in the world. Number one fatality rate comes because of accidents. Because women can't drive. And I, believe me, I wow. this is a statement I make with full confidence because women didn't drive. We had kids driving, uh, drivers who didn't come from overseas, don't speak the language, don't understand the rules. Now it's very strict. You have yeah. to go to a school to get your driver's license. You can't just drive, which is unbelievable. So you have safer roads for us, for our society, for our kids, and for women too.
0: Sounds like it was a pretty profound impact. You're now based in Australia. Do you see yourself going back to Saudi Arabia to continue to push for further reforms and get involved in the political system? Would you go that far?
1: I'm in a self-imposed exile in Australia for four years now, called Sydney, where I live my little piece of heaven. It's the most beautiful place, and I'm happy here. I don't think I can go back with the current political regime in Saudi Arabia. They don't have anything promising. I haven't been to my country for the last four years, and I'm separated from my kid. I don't see political civil rights and human rights reforms happening. It's all distractions, like they held this largest music festival. It used to be a crime to listen to music. A crime. Like you can be arrested if you listen to music in your car by the religious police. Now they're doing all these things. But for me, it's more of a distraction from the main issue that is you can't run a country as an absolute monarchy. It's one of the last standing absolute monarchies in the world. You really need constitutional monarchy. And I think then I might go back.
0: One more question for you on the state of play in the Middle East currently. Mm-hmm. What role do you think the international community has to play to ensure women's rights are upheld, particularly in a place like Afghanistan, which has had a tumultuous 12 months, of course. What's the role of countries like Australia and the United States?
1: It's very complicated. Sam, this question can be answered. There are a lot of historical backgrounds here that I don't want to get through. When we look at the West, a lot of things happen whether in Arabia, Saudi Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, the Arab Spring, Afghanistan, Iraq, we don't look with favorism to all those interference. Unfortunately, it's a story that told from both sides what's happening in Yemen too, with the assistance of the West, the Yemen war. So it's a very complicated question to say what the what role these governments can play. I've talked to the people. I'd say the people of these countries need to hold their countries accountable for their interference or their support to non-democratic regimes, because democracy shouldn't be just stops at your border. You don't check your values at the door. I think that's the role that the people need to be politically active. People need to ask and question their governments And I think that's the only way that you can help yourself first and then the world around you.
0: Big answer. Manal Al-Sharif, thank you so much for joining us on The Daily Oz. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of our special TDA Summer Series. We'll be back to normal programming on the 16th of January. But if you want some more breaking news in the meantime, open your phone and find us on Instagram. It's currently where over 410,000 Australians get their news. And we are on, even though you're on holiday.